Chapter Seventeen of the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Grierson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Laird O'Co. It was a fine summer morning, and the Laird O'Co was having a dander on the green turf outside the castle walls. His real name was the Laird O'Colzine, and his descendants today bear the proud title of Marquises of Ailsa but all up and down Ayrshire nobody called him anything else than the Laird of Co, because of the coes or caves which were to be found in the rock on which his castle was built. He was a kind man, and a courteous, always ready to be interested in the affairs of his poorest neighbors, and willing to listen to any tale of woe. So when a little boy came across the green, carrying a small can in his hand, and, pulling his forelock, asking him if he might go to the castle and get a little ale for his sick mother, the laird gave his consent at once, and, patting the little fellow on the head, told him to go to the kitchen and ask for the butler, and tell him that he, the laird, had given orders that his can was to be filled with the best ale that was in the cellar. Away the boy went and found the old butler, who, after listening to his message, took him down into the cellar and proceeded to carry out his master's orders. There was one cask of particularly fine ale, which was kept entirely for the laird's own use, which had been opened some time before and which was now about half full. I will fill the baron's can out of this, thought the old man to himself. Tis both nourishing and light, the very thing for sick folk. So taking the can from the child's hand, he proceeded to draw the ale. But what was his astonishment to find that although the ale flowed freely enough from the barrel, the little can, which could not have held more than a quarter of a gallon, remained always just half full. The ale poured into it in a clear amber stream until the big cask was quite empty, and still the quantity that was in the little can did not seem to increase. The butler could not understand it. He looked at the cask, and then he looked at the can. Then he looked down at the floor at his feet to see if he had not spilt any. No, the ale had not disappeared in that way, for the cellar floor was as white and dry and clean as possible. Plague on the can, it must be bewitched, thought the old man, and his short stubby hair stood up like porcupine quills round his bald head for if there was anything on earth of which he had a mortal dread, it was warlocks and witches, and such like bogles. "'I'm not going to broach another barrel,' he said gruffly, handing back the half-filled can to the little lad, "'so ye may just go home with what is there. The laird's ale is too good to waste on a smatchet like thee.' But the boy stoutly held his ground. A promise was a promise." and the laird had both promised and sent orders to the butler that the can was to be filled, and he would not go home till it was filled. It was in vain that the old man first argued, and then grew angry. The boy would not stir a step. The laird had said that he was to get the ale, and the ale he must have. At last the perturbed butler left him standing there, and hurried off to his master, to tell him he was convinced that the can was bewitched, for it had swallowed up a whole half-cask of ale, 
and after doing so it was only half full, and to ask if he would come down himself and order the lad off the premises. "'Not I,' said the genial laird, "'for the little fellow is quite right. I promised that he should have his can full of ale to take home to his sick mother, and he shall have it if it takes all the barrels in my cellar to fill it. So haste thee to the house again, and open another cask.' The butler dare not disobey, so he reluctantly retraced his steps. But as he went, he shook his head sadly, for it seemed to him that not only the boy with the can, but his master also was bewitched. When he reached the cellar, he found the bairn waiting patiently where he had left him, and without wasting further words, he took the can from his hand and broached another barrel. If he had been astonished before, he was more astonished now. Scarce had a couple of drops fallen from the tap, than the can was full to the brim. "'Take it, laddie, and be gone with all the speed thou canst,' he said, glad to get the can out of his fingers. And the boy did not wait for a second bidding, thanking the butler most earnestly for his trouble, and paying no attention to the fact that the old man had not been so civil to him as he might have been he departed. Nor, though the butler took pains to ask all round the countryside, could he ever hear of him again, nor of anyone who knew anything about him, or anything about his sick mother. Years passed by, and sore trouble fell upon the house of Co, for the laird went to fight in the wars and Flanders, and chancing to be taken prisoner, he was shut up in prison and condemned to death. Alone in a foreign country, he had no friends to speak for him, and escape seemed hopeless. It was the night before his execution, and he was sitting in his lonely cell, thinking sadly of his wife and children, whom he never expected to see again. At the thought of them, the picture of his home rose clearly in his mind, the grand old castle standing on its rock, and the bonny daisy-spangled stretch of greensward which lay before its gates, where he had been wont to take a dander in the sweet summer mornings. Then all unbidden, a vision of the little lad carrying the can, who had come to beg ale for his sick mother, and whom he had long ago forgotten, rose up before him. The vision was so clear and distinct that he felt almost as if he were acting the scene over again and he rubbed his eyes to get rid of it, feeling that, if he had to die to-morrow, it was time that he turned his thoughts to better things. But as he did so, the door of his cell flew noiselessly open, and there, on the threshold, stood the self-same little lad, looking not a day older, with his finger on his lip and a mysterious smile upon his face. Laird a co, rise and go, he whispered, beckoning to him to follow him. Needless to say, the laird did so, too much amazed to think of asking questions. Through the long passages of the prison the little lad went, the laird close at his heels, and whenever he came to a locked door he had but to touch it, and it opened before them, so that in no long time they were safe outside the walls. The overjoyed laird would have overwhelmed his little deliverer with words of thanks, had not the boy held up his hand to stop him. "'Get on my back,' he said shortly, "'for thou art not safe till thou art out of this country.' The laird did as he was bid, 
and marvellous as it seems, the boy was quite able to bear his weight. As soon as he was comfortably seated, the pair set off over sea and land, and never stopped till, in almost less time than it takes to tell it, the boy set him down in the early dawn on the daisy-spangled green in front of his castle, just where he had spoken first to him so many years before. Then he turned and laid his little hand on the laird's big one. "'I good turn deserves a nither. Take ye that for being so kind to my old mither,' he said, and vanished. And from that day to this he has never been seen again. End of chapter 17